Thank you for joining us as we continue digging in God's Word and seeing His will for us as we learn these principles from the men of old. We are in First Samuel, chapter 26. We'll try and see if we can get to two chapters tonight. Let us ask for God's blessing before we read His Word. Lord, we thank You. Thank You for the privilege that we have as Your people to gather together in Your name. We thank You for this freedom. We thank You that we can read out Your Word loud to ourselves. And we pray that You grant us wisdom through it, Lord. Um, we pray that you remind us of these great principles that are here for us to learn to, and I pray that our hearts would uh, grasp the truth of your word and walk with it, that we'll learn to practice your presence in our lives and live as those that you have called from the world. So tonight we ask that you bless your word before us, in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, we shall read together verses 1 of chapter 26. Now the Zephites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hakila opposite Jeshimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hachila, which is opposite Jeshimon by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him in the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Nar, the commander of his army, and now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped around him. Now, this continues. You remember last time when David was just about to kill him? David just did cut a piece of his garment. And when he was gone ahead a little bit, David spoke to him and said to him, For sure, if there was evil in me, today you are a dead man. I had an opportunity to kill you by I did not because you are the anointed one of God. 
And you remember how Saul was trying to be nice to say, David, is that you, my son? Trying to be nice about it. And you remember when they entered that cave, one of David's men said, today the Lord has delivered the king unto your hand. Your enemy is delivered unto you, so you do what you got to do. Kill him so that we forget about this. But he remembered that and he said he will not lay his hand upon the anointed one of God. And he said, he saw actually, he said, you know, he will not do that. He will not pursue David. And then these Shephites, you remember who they are. You know, they, they dwell in the wilderness of sheep. These were the descendants of Caleb. Caleb was a great man in the Bible, amongst the 12 spies that were sent with Moses. And amongst them, the two who came with good report were Joshua and Caleb. And so his own descendants, after many years, they are not really following the Lord. They think they are helping the Lord by telling Saul where David is. He had sworn that he will not go to pursue David, and we see that he, that is his mission right here. He arose and went and pursued David in the wilderness. So when David heard this, because remember, these were a lot of people. The Bible told us, and we are going to see here today also, that he had 600 men. And these were only the men that were counted. In the, their patriarchal uh, culture, they only counted men. But if we were to count the women and the children, how many do you think they were? It was a few thousand, right? A lot of children, a lot of women, and they were there with them. Though these women and children never went for war with them. And he sent spies, and the Bible tells us that he came to where Saul was. And Saul, and the place that they camped, he came with 3,000 men, 3,000 men of war. This man has how many? 600 men. You cannot win against the numbers. And the Bible says that now because Saul was a king, he was laying in the middle with his chief commander and the rest of the people were encamped around them so that no one will get to where the king is. He came to this place where Saul had encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamping around him. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abisai the son of Zeruhiah, brother to Joab saying, 
Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with a spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. <laughs> Think about th These words are not new to David. You remember last week, one man said, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. And now today again, this man who chose to go with David, two people against how many? 3,000 men. What are the chances? What are the odds that it's going to work on your favor? What are the chances? Probably zero. And even if these people are such deep sleepers, 3,000 of them, maybe there's one of them who is a light sleeper, right? <laughs> this is 3,000 men you can just assume will get in there and all of them are just asleep. They won't notice one thing. This man said to David, let me do it, because perhaps he thought David will not do it. He's heard these words from David. He will not touch the anointed one of God. So he said, I will do just one strike, giving confidence. He, he was a man of war, and he said, I will just strike him once to the ground. He, they're laying on the ground. Strike him one to the earth. That will be the end of your enemy. You will never be pursued again in your life. That feels like a good news, right? Especially when you have best friends and this is what they want to do. Tell me, I will deal with them. Just tell me who they are. You know, we have such confidence, and it is confidence in the flesh. It is not confidence in what God has told us. Have you realized that the many things that God has told us to do, most of the time we want to postpone them? We don't want to do them on time? Or sometimes we'll say, maybe the Lord didn't say this. But the things that we want to do for ourselves, we have such confidence to do them. Such confidence. But David said, to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hands against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Who, who can do that? I mean, in your right mind, knowing that this man, he's, he's my enemy right now, but do you know who brought him to where he was, 
to where he is right now? God. God anointed him to be king over Israel. If God wants to do away with him, God will surely do without me. God doesn't need my help to destroy him. He shall surely do that. Do not lay your hands upon them. David knew for sure if he had done that, this guilt would have killed him. David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord shall surely kill him if the Lord wants. Whatever happens, whether the Lord will just come and send someone to strike him, or he will go to war, of which that is what will kill him, he will go to war and die over there, surely he will die. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hands against the Lord's anointed. But please, take now the spear and the jug of water that are beside his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head. And they got away, and no man saw or knew, knew of it or woke. For they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord has fallen on them. This, is, this answers our question. How can 3,000 men sleep without hearing? Maybe they would, you know, sleep in turns. This group, you sleep for two hours, this two hours, this two hours, until the morning light so that the enemies will not strike us. But this we see that it is the Lord who made it work that way. A deep sleep came from the Lord and all of them slept. Even those who are normally light sleepers, those who call themselves light sleepers, <laughs> the Lord can shower you with a lot of sleep. <laughs> if he so desires, if he so wants it, he will. Nothing will restrain him to do that. He can do that. He did it, and this man slept, all of them, 3,000 of them. Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And this would really tell you the kind of this man, you know, Saul and David and his men. At these times, people, people never just talked slowly. They, they didn't just whisper. If you're a man, you talk or speak like a man, right? This was a great distance because he knew 3,000 men are right here. If I speak, one of them can throw a spear or they can come upon me speedily. So what are you to do? Create a big distance so that when they hear a voice, by the time they come upon you, perhaps you will have a little time to escape. 
This was a good distance, the Bible say. But David was able to speak. And you know what? Saul, from a distance, knew his voice. Even in the hills, he couldn't see his face, but he perceived that that was David's voice. Amazing. And David called out to the people and to Abner the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? Even Abner didn't know who he was. It was a good distance, and he couldn't see his face. Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord the king. This thing that you have done is not good. <laughs> this, David is kind of mocking this guy. This is a mighty man of war. This is the right-hand man of the king. And he's saying, hey, how, how be it that someone has come before your Lord, before the king, and you didn't realize it? You didn't see it? In other words, he's saying the king's life is in danger. <laughs> Who can protect the king? If the man that he is trusting is not able to, tr to, to protect the king, why have you not guarded your king? This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. You remember the other times when Saul was very furious how he used to call David? He used to say, this son of Jesse. <laughs> Who is this son of Jesse? But right now he's trying to be humble, saying, oh, my son. I mean, if you treasure him as one of your sons, why are you after his life? Why do you want to destroy him? Then he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore, please, let my Lord the King hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has tried, start you up against me, 
let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out of out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So now, do not let my blood fall on the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one hands a partridge in the mountain. Then Saul said, I have sinned, return my son, David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your sight this day. Indeed, I have played a fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned his heart. Now we see here what is happening with these two men. A few things that we can learn. That God, in, in Saul pursuing David, God uses him to prepare David to be a king who should not focus on the flesh dealing with revenge. And this is a great subject that God is making him learn in the wilderness. Think about it. If this is not happening, you know, you, you're being pursued left, right, and center, and then the next day you become king, and this person is still alive. What do you think you'll do? The natural reaction of a man is to revenge, right? To pay back the evil that was done to you. I want to pay it back. I want to do this. They did this to me. I did not pursue them. They pursued me. All they ever thought was evil against me. And the Lord in his great faithfulness is teaching David these things. That is why later when we read Psalms and David is talking about God's faithfulness, you will see it, you will hear it in his voice. Really he's learned to be faithful 
And he's learned that the faithfulness of God transcends time. Even in your wickedness, God still look at you with mercy. He says that his mercies are new every morning. When there's an open door for revenge, who do you think of in that heat of time? Do you think about what God can do or do you think about what you can do? The natural reaction is what I can do to repay someone who did me evil. This man is pursuing David every time. He goes back home, fights with the Philistines, and then the children of Israel goes around and tells Saul he's hiding in this place, and Saul goes and pursues him again. And this man, instead of finishing his enemy, he said, lay your hands not on God's anointed. These words have been used with many people today. <laughs> Touch not the anointed one of God and do my prophets no harm. When they have stolen people's money, when they have squandered churches' property, they say, Touch not the anointed one of God. When they're supposed to be responsible to the flock of God that God brought their way. Who do you think of when there's an open door? for you to harm somebody? Do you even say, hey, I will slap you in the name of the Lord? <laughs> you, you don't think about God. You don't think about good things. You think about evil. Every one of us. How can we repay this man, this woman, who did evil? And if you have an opportunity to destroy those who hate and pursue you, who do you think of first? You have an opportunity to destroy them. Before you lift up your hand, do you think about God or you think about them? Because if you think about God, you will not do evil. If you think about that enemy, you will shed blood. And think about Saul in this context also. He seems to be a man who does not have conviction. There's no conviction. Why? Because these people will come and tell him, hey, David is hiding in this place. He goes and pursues him. And then David spares his life, and then he listens to the voice of David again. Oh, I have sinned. I have acted like a fool. And then the next time this happens, he goes again, hears this, the voice of these people. He gets fired up, and he pursues David. David gets him again. He says, I have acted what? Foolishly. I mean, what kind of man are you? If you would know a man like that, 
you will not want to come close to them, right? And especially women, you wouldn't want a man who is fugu fugu. They, they can't make a decision. All they can say is, Vila itakuwa itakuwa. Watch a tutu end. There are times when you have to put your feet on the ground and say, we are going to do this. We are going this direction. This is where the Lord is leading us, and we are going to follow the Lord. These people come and he says, well, let's go. And then David comes and talks these words and like, I have acted foolishly. Nisame. You know, many people will cry sometimes. Don't let tears fool you or deceive you. People are very crafty. They can ask for forgiveness crying. It will never happen. I won't do it again. Because they know that tears will win our hearts, right? But David was clever too. He didn't buy into these ideas. Saul will say whatever he says, and David will go his own way, <laughs> knowing the man he's dealing with. Saul seems to respond well to either side. You are in the world. You are in the church. You respond well to the things of the world. You respond well to the things of the church. Where are you? Do you have any conviction at all? Where is your confidence? Be a man and woman of conviction. Many people today have no conviction of things. We will listen to anyone in the name of they preach Jesus. They have mentioned the name of Jesus. They are singing this worship song that I love. People have no conviction. This is, this is why, you know, Josh has mentioned it many times, that the reason why he's not on social media, many of them, is because you will end up not liking a lot of people. Why? The things we post, <laughs> the people we post, some of the people we've spoken against right here on the pulpit, some of you are posting them. No pun intended. <laughs> it's like, do we even listen at once? Do we have conviction at all? I know after such teachings and sermons, we, we can block the men of God. <laughs> we can, we'll block all the pastors so that they don't follow you. <laughs> they don't see the things. Be a man, be a woman of conviction. Do what is right, even when it's your enemy, it's your friend, whoever it is. Do what is right at all times. Do what you do because it's right, not because you're compelled with your friends, because you, know, you just thought it's a good idea. 
do what you do because it is the right thing to do. Chapter 27. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistine. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Now this is a very dangerous thing that David is again doing right here. It is very dangerous. This man is not inquiring of the Lord. This man is... He's speaking to his own heart. And do you know that when people are weary and when people have lost strength, they don't make right decisions. They don't. He wants to escape where? To the land of the enemies. Think about it. If Saul had said to David, if you want your life to be spared, go into the land of the Philistine and dwell there. Do you think that would be a good option for him to think about? Probably not. But because he's relying upon his own strength, this is what he's saying. I will go. I will escape because Saul will not come and find me or pursue me in the lands of his own other enemies. He will not do that. Then David arose and went over with his 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Mao, king of God. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household. And David with his two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the Carmelites, Nabba's, Nabba's widow. And it was told so that David had fled to God. So he sought him no more. <laughs> Think about it. You know, this feels like wisdom, wisdom galore. <laughs> He's flown from his own people. He's gone to the king of the Philistine to seek refuge. And when Saul heard of it, Saul never pursued him no more. He gave up on him. And perhaps David thought this was a brilliant idea. Because now he's not pursuing me anymore. 
But remember, he's gone where? To the enemy's camp. How do you find refuge in the enemy's camp? Think about it. How do you find solace in the world? Because many people would, dis- be, would be discouraged in the church and then they take off immediately and go back to the world. And say, what your kanisata wa jali what? And then you go back. To, even TMT is no more. You go back to Brandy. You go back to the clubs. You go back to the, your old roots. Why? Because you think your life will be spared in the enemy's camp. This pleasure will be there for sure, let me tell you. It will be there, but for a short while. It will be there for a short while. He went there with everyone, with his wives, the two wives that he inherited, (laughs) and every other man, the 600, both with their families. And they went to this king to plead. And then David said to Akish, if I have found favor in your eyes, then give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Wow. Now David is counting himself as whose servant? The enemy's servant. Confidently saying, I am your servant. I cannot dwell in the royalty with you. Please find a place. Find a village for me. I want to go and dwell there. I want to be here. Giving yourself totally to the enemy and say, I am yours. Whatever you want to do, do it. Lead me. (laughs) That was not a great move. So Akish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. This Ziklag place, actually, it was demarcated long time ago. It was a place that was already given to the children of Israel, but they never occupied it until this time. And even the people dwelling there, they're just bordering Judah. It is not far. In fact, it's part of Judah. When David went and lived in this place, it became part of, you know, the children of Israel's dwelling place until this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistine was one full year and four months. And David and his men went up and raided Geshurites, the Geshurites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from old. As you go 
to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. This land here, these people dwelling here, where David is going now to raid, these were the Canaanites, the men of old. These people were supposed to be conquered those days, but they were never on this, until this time. And David puts his life where the enemy is. He's asked for a place. He's given a place to dwell. And now do you know what David wants to do for a living, for a spoil? To kill people. He becomes a bloodthirsty man so that he can survive. That is what happens when you run and go to the enemy's camp thinking that the Lord will not sustain you in that land, you're taking matters at your own hand. So whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkey, the camels, and the apparel and returned and came to Akish. You think about what is happening. He's going, killing people, and utterly destroying the evidences. Because the king, Akish, will ask him where he got all the spoils. And he was very crafty about giving information about it. Then Akish would say, where have you made a raid today? It's like a conversation. Hey, where were you today, bro? Where were you today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jeremiahites, or against the southern area of Canaanites. In other words, he's saying, I have gone against my own people. When he's mentioning Judah, he's being very crafty so that the king will see that this man, is not against us, he's against his own people. So that he will, you know, be at the good books of the king. What a crafty man he's turned to be. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to God, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. So you see, he's being crafty. He's not being honest. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelled in the country of the Philistine. This became his habit. If you've given your life to the enemy, do you know what you'll continue to do? You'll do what they do. You become the enemy of God. 
You become the crafty man that these people are. You don't say the truth. You, you, you're not faithful. You're not trustworthy. Your things are just hidden. Craftiness becomes part of you. And this craftiness, the Bible says, so Akish believed David, saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. He's hated with his own people. Why? He's destroying them. He's killing them. But was that the whole truth? Nope. Nope. He was trying to hide things. That is why he killed everyone so that there is no evidence. And in this chapter, one thing that I would point out is, you know, when the Lord has saved you already, do not lose your confidence in him. He will pro protect you either way. David thought when he would run away, then he will save trouble. You realize in chapter 27, there was no mentioning of God with David. <laughs> the whole of it. Which means he was doing things in the flesh. His confidence was on the things he's able to do by his own strength. When you're weary, don't make life's important decisions. When you're tired, you're weary, your heart is heavy, there's bitterness in your heart, don't make important decisions. David was very wary at this time. And he ran and went into the enemy's camp. And you see the, de the decision he made was not right. Going against the will of God. Be led by the Lord. Be led by the Spirit of God at all times. If the Lord, why is it so hard for us to remember the faithfulness of God? Saul pursued this man many times. He never got to the point of getting close to him. Why? Because the Lord was protecting him at all times. When all these things are happening, before you make that decision to run away, can you just step back and think about the faithfulness of God? Think about the things He's taken you through. Think about all the hassles, all the things 
He's made possible for you before you run away. Most of the time, we are lousy counselors of ourselves. Very lousy. We cannot give ourselves good counsel. Some people can be very good counselors to others while terrible to themselves. <laughs> you notice that times you, you give people very good counsel that you don't even think about how to give yourself good counsel. How be it that the Lord has saved you and you can't think straight? All you're thinking is running back into the world. And when people are coming to you and they're talking to you and you sympathize with them, you're like, you're telling them to trust God. You're telling them to think about the faithfulness of God. You're reminding them of the things that God has taken them through. And you're telling them, hey, how can you forget about that? And many people who are counselors or many people who talk to people, we fall in this category most of the time. We give good, good counsel to people. We give terrible counsel to ourselves. <laughs> you have your own committee in your head that is not thinking straight. If you warm yourself in the enemy's fire, soon enough you will compromise in any direction. The enemy has lit fire and you're warming yourself there. You're getting comfortable in the presence of your enemy. The next thing you do, everything your enemy wants you to do, that is exactly what you're going to do. Why? Because he's helped you. You're shivering, he's given you fire. You're thirsty, he's given you water. You don't have food, he's given you land. Do not warm yourself in the enemy's fire. It will backfire in the days to come. And you know what I've noticed also? It is possible for people to follow Jesus, but at a distance. Do you know why? Because we want to run away from responsibility, number one. Number two, because we are living a secretive life. We don't want people to know us. Yet, we profess Jesus from a distance. And also, because we have no desire for discipleship. For if people start to disciple me, then they will inquire of my life and I'm not ready to say anything about my life. And also, cannot commit to serving in a local church. Why? Because they will know who I am. And you know what, what people say? I've heard it so many times. Uskuje karibu karibu na kanisa. Watajua mambo yako. 
I mean, if you cannot be free, if you cannot be part of this family, who will protect you? If you cannot share your life with us, how can we pray with you? How can we encourage you? If all we want to do is to follow Jesus from a distance. Sadly enough, when you're trying to live a double life, people know it. You remember Peter? They say, ah, this one is one of them. And they say, ah, voila, no, 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 no. I know not this man. Running away. It is possible for people to follow Jesus, but at a distance, because we want to hide things. We, we want to go behind. We want to go where, you know, I, I can still see Judah. I can still see my people over there, but I am here in the enemy's camp. I don't want people to know. And David crafted this for sure. And man's plan will work, but only for a short time. God's will is not about feeling. It's not about feeling good, but doing what he requires you to do regardless of your feelings. You know, I feel like, you know, I feel like I feel like, and you guys probably have heard this many times, that why would God restrain me from doing what feels right by me? Why would God want me not to enjoy myself? If it feels right by me, then God wants it for me. That is what people say. Giving ourselves licenses to go and sin. Why? Because my flesh wants it. Do you know why we continue in our sins? In these behaviors? You know why? Because we love it. Because sin is pleasurable. But it is just for a short time. That is the sad part about it. Sin is pleasurable. I know it. When I used to be a smoker, <laughs> you smoke today and like, I was like, I have sworn many times that I will leave it, I will leave it, I will leave it. Then I go back again. Because it flows so nice in my throat. <laughs> Sin is pleasurable, but just for a short time. You know what the Bible says? It brings death. Sin breeds death. It will kill you. 
spiritually and physically too. So if you dwell amongst the enemies of God, what becomes of you? The enemy of God. You've chosen to go where God is not. You become like those people. Everyone says, you know, if you go to Rome, you live like the Romans. <laughs> if I go where they are, they're not believers. I will continue declaring the name of Jesus Christ in their midst. If I die there, it is glorious. Why? Because I died proclaiming the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'd rather die in that scenario than being hit by a bicycle and die. <laughs> Shameful death. And this we might maybe go hard on David at this point, but think about yourself. Are you struggling with trusting God even right now? Are you struggling? Because even the man of old, the man who God has used greatly, they struggled trusting God at some point. No human is an example of perfection except the man Jesus Christ. But we can watch the direction of their lives. No woman being, no woman, no man is an example of perfection. You will never find one. Whatever you're struggling with, can you lay it at the feet of Jesus? A few things that I picked when I was reading this. The number one, the honesty of the Bible is in incredible. Think about it. The honesty. God is not in the business of hiding things from us so that we we don't know how David was, you know, had a lot of faults, how he ran away, how he shed blood he should have not. All these things, the Bible makes them so clear to us. God is not trying to present men as perfect. He presents us the way we are. So that when we are learning from these other men, we don't beat ourselves so much in thinking, man, these people perhaps, they had a different spirit than ours. The honesty of the Bible is incredible. And the other thing also is the best and the greatest of men are only men. The best of the men and women in the Bible, remember, they are only men. 
There's nothing supernatural about them. And in dealing with David, God was easy on him in all his shortcomings. When Saul pursued David, David was so gracious to Saul. And you remember what David said, that God will repay every man for his faithfulness, right? And we'll see that God will repay David for when he was so merciful to this man, God will repay him. God is not in the business of, you know, counting things, being hard. Like, he did this, he did this, he did this. Kill this man, I have none. He's not going to be king anymore. Imagine when he's ran away, he's gone to the enemy's camp, he's still what? The king of Israel appointed and anointed by God. Think about it. You want to be perfect so that you serve God? I don't know when will that be. David was merciful to Saul, and God was merciful to him too. And also, God chooses mere men, and he walks in and through them. Just normal people. Nothing very special about them. They're just people. How was David a man after God's own heart considering all these events? Feel like God just chooses junkies of people <laughs> to use. Do, do you not have better? But all throughout the scripture, this is what we see. After David even died, when God would speak to other kings, he would say, if you would follow me, if your heart would be steadfast, like your father David, then I will spare you. <laughs> Think about it. He was not a perfect man, but God used him. Well, we'll continue reading these next few chapters and see what becomes of them. But hopefully you see or get the principles that we are learning from God's Word. And I know in one way or another we struggle with the issue of trust. Not just trusting people, but even trusting God. Do you trust that God will lead you through your current situation? Do you trust that he can take you out of it? He did save many men and women of old. Why do you think he cannot save you? And even in the enemy's camp where David went. Other things that happened, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. 
he learned also to be a great musician when he was in this place. <laughs> the, the Bible mentions that in Psalms. He did not write a psalm while he was there, but the title of one of these psalms, Psalm chapter 8, the Bible says, to the chief musician on the instrument of God, a psalm of David. When he was in this place, he got himself an instrument, an instrument that would help him to praise God in the later days. How it was of help to him, I don't know, but he knows. But one thing I want to encourage us, church, tonight, that in your state as a person, do not look down on yourself and say, who am I? What can I do? And this is not just a question that lingered in David and the people that time. You remember even when Jesus called the disciples, one of them said what? Is there anything good that can come out of this place, of my own town, of my own family, considering where I came from? Even Gideon in the Bible, I'm the least, and my tribe is the least of the least. Why call me a mighty man of valor? This is what we think. But do you think that that is what God thinks about you as a person? You are a royal priesthood. You are a child of God. He knows your business. He knows your coming in, your going out. Everything that concerns your life, God is aware. God knows about it. Ahead of time, even before you say a word, He knows it. All he wants is a relationship. We might have ran away like David, but you know what? All he's doing is waiting for you to return and say, hey God, I have messed it up. I wish the uh, confession of Saul was true when he was saying, I have dealt foolishly with you. And then go back to the temple and tell God, God, please forgive me. I have not been good to this man. He's done me no evil, yet I have pursued his life to destroy. Pardon my life. I mean, do you think that God would, not, would have not spared his life? Things would have changed. But we, we, we don't see them changing because of the condition of our heart. Stiff-necked people. We don't want to trust God. But you know this craftiness that David brought? Until this man, Akish, the Bible says, Akish believed 
David, saying he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be what? My servant forever. David will be my servant. He didn't know. All his thinking, I have the greatest army with me, and the man who killed our own hero is with me. Think about the absurdity of this story. That the man who is a hero of Israel now becomes a servant to this king. He's supposed to be the king of Israel, but then this man is saying he'll be my servant forever. He thinks that David is loyal at this point. That is not it. That is not the case. How I pray that the Lord will help us to be faithful and to be men and women of what? Conviction. Have conviction. Read your Bible and have conviction about things. Don't be just, don't be swayed with every wind, with everything that people say, with every man who comes your way, every woman who comes your way. Don't be swayed by people. Have proper conviction. The Lord will reward you for that, and he will bless you for that, and he will lead you right. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for these principles and the stories we are learning from this man of old, how we pray that you will help us not to fall victims of this lifestyle. Help us to be steadfast in you. Help us to follow after you. Even in our state right now, many of us might be struggling with trusting in you, believing in your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict us of the unbelief in our hearts so that we can serve you faithfully, Lord. We pray that you go with us tonight as we disperse in fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.